Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. There's still a lot of concern about inflation and high gas prices, but could a stimulus check be coming your way for gas? Consumers this year could see increased costs of up to $2,000 because of these high gas prices. In response to all this, there's been three different plans that have been proposed on the federal level to help ease the pain of these high gas prices. But while lawmakers are trying to hand out more money, there are concerns it could make inflation worse. Under one plan, families with two children could get as much as $300 per month as long as the nation's average gas price exceeds $4 a gallon. Still unclear would be how to pay for some of these proposals. States are even getting in on the action, temporarily suspending some gasoline taxes. In California, Governor Gavin Newsom has proposed an $11 billion relief package which includes $400 direct payments to Californians per vehicle they own. For more on what's in these proposals, we'll speak to Amy Peakey, reporter at CBS Money Watch. So there are three different federal proposals. So the idea is that, you know, if one of these passes, it would help anybody who's a resident in the U.S. with higher gas bills right now. And the idea is that um, you would get a check from the federal government that would offset some of those higher costs that you're experiencing. And that is taking a chunk out of a lot of people's budgets right now. They kind of operate in different ways, though. Like one, for instance, would send up to $300 per family every month that your gas price, the national average gas price is above $4 a gallon. And right now it is about $4 a gallon. So if this were in effect, every family of four people would get $300 a month. That would certainly help a lot of people. It's unclear though how that would be paid for. The bill hasn't, the text of the bill hasn't yet been published. And uh, the statement didn't really include details. I'm like, well, where would that yeah. revenue come from to pay, pay for that? And obviously, yeah. you know, that's such an important part of all of this. You know, we talk about uh, inflation too, right? You know, a lot of economists and people are saying that one of the reasons why we have such high inflation is because of all the stimulus money that was paid out throughout the pandemic. You know, a lot of people do have this excess buildup of cash. So, you know, who's to know if this would exacerbate that problem, too? Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really good point. And this is something kind of a broader discussion that's happening right now at the state level as well, because there are different states that are proposing rebates. California is one of them where they would send money and, and are planning to send money um, to residents of the state. And, you know, some some um, tax experts are saying, well, that's great. But, you know, that could only add to the problem because you're giving residents, you know, hundreds of dollars more to spend. And this is kind of what's fueling inflation in the first place. You have a huge amount of demand. Um, and as we all know, supply has been constrained for a lot of things because of the supply chain issues we've had. So those two things are kind of causing inflation. And yeah, a lot of, as you say, a lot of economists point to the stimulus checks we got, the child tax credit is helping families, but you know, that feeds into this problem. Yeah. So I, I think that's something to think about. Before we move on to some of these other federal plans, I, I did want to mention the California plan a little bit. Uh, for, so for that one, Governor Gavin Newsom, it's an $11 billion relief package. That will be $400 direct payments to Californians that, uh, per vehicle that they own. 
And uh, there's all sorts of stuff that's going on. This would take uh, the form of like a debit card that they'd give to you. So you'd be able to use at the pump and all that. But one of the other conversations regarding that part of it too is taking away gas taxes. So there might be something like that in California's proposal. I think in other states, they're temporarily cutting gas taxes. Uh, Is that type of plan anything in these federal plans? Yeah, so far on the federal level, there's been no sign of movement on getting rid of the federal tax on gas. Um, but yeah, you're right. Several states are doing that. Connecticut is one. Um, Georgia is another. And I mean, that, that adds up. You know, if you look at like Connecticut, it's about 25 cents a gallon. That's a tax is put on residents of that state. Georgia is 29 cents. So, you know, that helps a lot if you can take that tax off. Not sure that that would happen at the federal level, but you could see that happen in more states. You know, one thing that's really interesting, too, that why we're seeing this happening at the state level and these rebate checks at the state level in California is states are in a really good position right now. They actually have a huge amount of tax revenue. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody expected that states would end up really suffering, you know, because the economy shut down. But then when things rebounded, people went back to work and Americans started spending again. States actually have ended up with these like record level of um, budget surpluses. So that's why they're giving back money and cutting taxes. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing that we're seeing right now. And it definitely helps consumers. You know, it's just it's a balancing act, I think, between those two things, putting more money into consumers' hands and helping them, but also like being aware of inflation and how that impacts the prices and and demand in your area. So uh, a little bit more back on these federal plans. A lot of these uh, would uh, kind of similar to the stimulus plans be capped out depending on how much money you make. So if you're over a certain dollar amount, you probably wouldn't be getting this money here. And then uh, all these plans have been formed by Democrats. So I'm just interesting, interested to hear how much support there might be from this on the other side of the aisle. I know it's a, a huge issue for everybody, but is there support for these plans? I think one thing that's interesting to look at is it, when you look at the state level, we're seeing these these rebate checks, which are designed for or to help people with inflation, gas prices, food prices. It's coming from both sides of the aisle. So, I mean, I think this is something that lawmakers, um, regardless of the party, are concerned about. And one thing I wanted to point out about two of these federal proposals for rebates to help families with, tax, with um, gas prices is that they would pay for the plan by taxing oil and gas companies. That I don't think is something that you'd likely see support for from the Republicans. So, I mean, they're coming. these are coming from Democrats and they're saying, look, oil and gas companies had a record amount of profit last year. Let's make sure some of that's going back to consumers. So, you know, that might be hard to get through, um, given that's probably not going to get support on the other side. Well, we'll see if these federal bills get any traction. I know the need is great and how quickly uh, they can be implemented if they do pass. Amy Peaky, reporter at CBS Money Watch. Thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Next, some concerning news about COVID infections. According to a review of patient data, people who have had COVID-19 were at a greater risk of developing type 2 diabetes than those who avoided getting sick. Looking at the records of over 180,000 VA patients, researchers calculated that those that got COVID were 46% more likely to be diagnosed with diabetes for the first time or prescribed medication to control blood sugar. For more on all of this, we'll speak to Lenny Bernstein, health and medicine reporter at The Washington Post. Attention is turning towards 
long COVID, that's people uh, who've suffered it beyond the, the 30 days or three months, depending on who you ask. And then some of the fallout from having had the virus. In this case, they did a look at a very large numbers of VA patients, and they found that anybody who was infected had a about a 46% chance, greater chance of developing type 2 diabetes or having to go on um, blood sugar control medication than people who did not get infected. You know, that's worrisome. That's worrisome for your long COVID patients. That's worrisome for the average person who just might have had a mild case. 80 million Americans have had COVID and 470 million people around the world have had COVID. So even a small percentage of those developing type 2 diabetes is going to be a very large surge of that disease. Tell me a little bit uh, more about the study, because there was a large number of VA patients that they looked at and how they cross-reference it with people that didn't get COVID, just so people can kind of understand uh, the process. Right. This isn't a randomized controlled study where you, you know, set out to study. You set up one group as a control and another group as the group that you're going to study. This was a retrospective. So they looked at 180,000 people who got COVID. That was from March 2020 to uh, September 2021. And then they looked at four, over 4 million who didn't get COVID during the same period, and they compared them. And then just to make sure that they're their numbers were good. They also looked at a little over 4 million people from before the pandemic who got VA care who were similar demographically, but they didn't get COVID. Obviously, it was before the pandemic. And, you know, there was a very clear association among the people who got COVID and type 2 diabetes. Now, you can never claim in this kind of study cause and effect, but the numbers were so large that the Researcher is very confident in the association. So the advice to people that have gotten COVID is you should start paying attention to your blood sugar now. And, you know, we're talking about this kind of after effects of what happens after getting ill with this. There was also, uh, I guess, a little bit in some of this uh, research said that it could be triggering a new type of diabetes where certain cells start to raise blood sugar rather than lower it. Uh, You know, I don't know how much they know about that specifically, but uh, more stuff that they have to look into. Throughout all of this, you know, the, you know, people start thinking, well, what's causing it exactly? It's another key culprit in a lot of COVID stuff, inflammation, they suspect. Exactly right. Inflammation. It doesn't appear in this case that the COVID virus is actually destroying the insulin-producing beta cells that are in the pancreas. Because if that happened, you'd be getting a lot more type 1 diabetes. And in this case, they found it was over 99% type 2. So the cells are not working as well as they can. They're not producing the hormone insulin as efficiently as they should. So they're guessing, they don't know, that the culprit is inflammation, either caused by the virus or, as we've seen so many times before in this pandemic, caused by the body's own reaction to the virus, the uh, immune system and the cells that we produce to go after the virus. They also have an unintended consequence of harming the insulin producing cells in the pancreas and therefore creating type 2 diabetes. Do we know if any, uh, what kind of strain of COVID this might have been? Because obviously right now, Omicron has been circulating so much more and we hear anecdotally, right, that it is a lot more of a milder case that a lot of people experience. You mentioned this was done kind of in 2020. So that was in, in the height of it. Probably not a lot of people were vaccinated and everything. So they were getting the full force of COVID. Do, do we know uh, strains by any chance with this? So it couldn't be Omicron because they went from March of 2020 to September of 2021. 
So that would take us basically through every strain up to and including Delta. Those were the ones that were part of this study. Omicron, if you recall, didn't come out until roughly around Thanksgiving of last year. And yes, it was more mild, although it was so contagious that it put it infected way more people than any previous strain. So this study, by including all the other strains, is pretty comprehensive. It shows you that pretty much any strain of the coronavirus can have this effect, excluding uh, Omicron. Well, just another thing to keep in mind, you know, if you have had COVID, uh, obviously you got to have to continually monitor your health. But just another correlation that as researchers are starting to uh, connect the dots with. Uh, but uh, we'll keep an eye yeah, out for it, all of this. Right, right. If your doctor, if you go for your physical and your doctor doesn't check your blood sugar, which he or she should be doing anyway, and you've had COVID, you want to ask for that. You want to say, what's my blood sugar? What's my hemoglobin A1C look like? Because I did have COVID and they've connected it to type 2 diabetes. Lenny Bernstein, health and medicine reporter at the Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Anytime. It's tax season and tax day is coming up April 18th. If you traded crypto or bought NFTs last year, don't forget that you might be on the hook for all those taxes. NFTs in particular are posing a problem for consumers and accountants. Depending on the crypto used to buy it and who's doing the selling, NFT transactions can be taxed as income, short or long-term capital gains, collectibles, or dividends. It's all that much more confusing as there's no IRS guidance on how to treat them. For more on all this, we'll speak to Sam Sutton, reporter at Politico. It's a pretty complex issue, and it's one that I'm guessing a lot of just kind of day-to-day traders of these assets probably aren't thinking about as they prepare to file their taxes for 2021. So how does this work? I mean, uh, because one of the last things that people are thinking of, even when they're just trading regular cryptocurrencies, is they're thinking of taxes later on. I mean, you have to uh, figure that out at at the end of the year. But so what do we know about NFTs? Because the IRS has not released really any guidance with any of this. You're correct. They have not released guidance yet. So it really depends on the NFT and how you acquired the NFT and how long you held the NFT before selling it if you did, in fact, sell it. So I'll start with just kind of the most basic scenario here, which is you used cryptocurrency to or you used a digital asset to purchase an NFT on OpenSea or or some other crypto only marketplace. Anytime that you use crypto to buy something, what you're essentially doing is selling that crypto for whatever it's valued at at that time, converting it to dollars, and then transferring that to the person that you're acquiring the asset from. Um, that might not be technically how it, what you're doing, but that's how the IRS views it. So when, when you do that, depending on how long you held that crypto, that might be a, a capital gain, either a short-term or a long-term. And that means you need to know when you acquired your initial crypto, what, what you acquired it at, and what it was valued at when you sold it. So that's, that's one complicating factor. <laughs> right. The next thing is the NFT itself. If it's, you know, just a, a basic work of art, it, you know, it could be viewed as a collectible. If it's the type of thing where, you know, uh, other digital assets are airdropped into your wallet and those digital assets have economic value, then, you know, that could be a taxable event as well. So 
as you can imagine, it gets very complicated very quickly yeah. uh, when it comes to folks who are trading these things and buying and selling them using crypto with uh, any degree of regularity. Yeah. And if you're the artist itself, right, you know, you can view it as income. So uh, to your point, right, so you can it can be viewed as income, a short or long term capital gain, the collectibles or dividends. It's hard just just to figure out how to classify it itself there. And with a lot of things, right, when technology takes over and people really start jumping on things, the government is always lagging behind. So we're not even expecting any guidance from the IRS in the near future. Uh, So this is all taking place while people are trying to do their taxes now. President Biden signed an executive order to kind of do an assessment of U.S. crypto policy. So I'm sure some of this will get rolled into that. But, you know, there's still a lot yet to be done on this. Yeah, it, that's that's for sure. You know, I what, what kind of struck me throughout this, the reporting of this piece was that when I spoke with folks who are deeply familiar with the world of both crypto and taxes, so like CPAs who specialize in, in crypto-related tax issues, they all said this is, you know, uh, very much a wide-open game right now, and, it, and it's hard to assess, you know, what any one person's obligations might be, and that you kind of have to make some judgment calls sometimes around, you know, how to categorize some of these transactions. The takeaway quote that, that I had was from Lawrence Blacken, who's the vice president of tax at the crypto exchange Coinbase, which is one of the largest crypto exchanges uh, in the marketplace. And he basically said, you know, it'd be super helpful if the, if the IRS and the state tax authorities clarified how gains and sales of NFTs should be treated to the point that you made earlier. You know, many crypto participants who don't think of taxes until long after the sales occur and and they're caught flat-footed when when it's time to collect. It might seem that we'll start seeing, uh, you know, a lot of these platforms having to bring on uh, tax specialists to help navigate their clients uh, through some of this stuff, Uh, you know, giving warnings ahead of time. Hey, if you're purchasing stuff, if you're trading in crypto, you got to start thinking about this. I mean, I think that's super important, especially as more people really start getting interested in this. And just kind of to add to the complication, just because we're talking about it, right? When we're looking at things to the future, like the metaverse and whatnot, you may even mention in there, you know, for people that are buying and selling and trading tokens frequently on gaming stuff and metaverse applications, a lot of this stuff is represented as NFTs. And they might be lower cost in a lot of cases, but maybe some of their higher cost things that meet that threshold of having to report to the IRS. I mean, in, increasingly, those can be so much more complicated now. Yeah, and again, particularly if you're using crypto to purchase those NFTs within those metaverse or gaming platforms. I, I should say that's, that's a really important part of this because if you're using, you know, there are some NFTs that are available for sale where you can just buy it with your Visa or your MasterCard or your Amex. And those transactions, I, I talked to one CPA, those transactions are actually much easier to look at from a tax perspective because you're just using, it's like any other transaction. You're buying a good or a, a digital good, I guess, with dollars. And that's not, that's not, as, uh, that's not as difficult. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how those metaverse and gaming applications, you know, integrate crypto or if they, you know, decide... And maybe it's a little bit easier if people just put in a credit card. (laughs) Well, talk to your tax specialist if you bought uh, crypto, if you've traded with NFTs, all that stuff, just to see what you might be on the hook for. Sam Sutton, reporter at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. 
follow us on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition.